Hey Tech fans, this is Bailey Angle, the in-venue host of Virginia Tech Athletics. When I'm not playing games with fans on Hokie Vision, I actually work full-time with the Hokie Club. Now, did you know that Triumph Together is coming up on August 23rd through the 25th, which are Virginia Tech Athletics' biggest giving days of the year? You can sign up to be an ambassador for Triumph and encourage your friends to give. The top ambassadors with the most referrals can win exclusive prizes, like indoor club seats at Lane or even sideline passes for Enter Sandman. Head on over to HokieClub.com to learn more more about Triumph Together and find out how you can sign up to be an ambassador today. What's up, everybody? Monday, August 8th. want to thank Bailey Angle for that message. We will be partnering up with Virginia Tech Athletics to empower and promote the Hokies Triumph Together campaign. Really, really excited about that. And thank you to everybody who jumped on board with us last year. Um, as Step Brother said, we will be interviewing as a team we will be promoting as a team last year, Pat, myself, and Grayson, uh, all sorts of different links, and and who do I donate for? No. Sunday Saturday, we'll have one link, make it really easy. So keep that ready as the 23rd and 25th of August are coming up, and we will continue to remind you. We have an awesome interview with Rock Carmichael coming up here for you, but first, a couple of announcements, but before that, Main Street Pharmacy located right in Blacksburg, Virginia. The orders for game day pins are going out here soon. We have a new, a couple of new clothing collaborations that we're exploring that we'll be able to get only at Main Street Pharmacy. Um, so head on down. You are more than a number. You are a neighbor at Main Street Pharmacy. Thank you, Jeremy Counts, for everything you do for the Blacksburg community. A couple quick updates. Let me get my announcements in order. As you can hear, the shuffling of papers. Uh, we had a new article come out today by Chris Himes. It is basically a very financial approach to viewing the Super League profile for Virginia Tech, whether that's the SEC, the Big Ten, or uh, who knows what's going on in the future. I know we're all shifting our focus to football season, but this is an analytical and financial and uh, very different way of viewing the case for Virginia Tech. Also, just on Sunday, we had a new recruit commit, a three-star from Mississauga, Ontario. His name is Clarkson Findlater, a six foot four, 230-pound edge rusher. We need those. Other offers came from Arizona State, Central Michigan, and Vanderbilt. We also have some positional previews that'll be coming up for you over the course of this month, getting you ready for football season, and also a a uh, couple of film sessions that we're going to run that'll come out that'll be a little different and new um, to the feed for you. Last couple things, if you can, if you're on Apple, if you're on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast, please do leave us a review. We do read all of them. It does help us a ton trying to get this content out to as many Virginia Tech faithful as we possibly can. And lastly, to keep up with everything going on, whether it's our articles, our podcasts, events coming up, do subscribe to our newsletter. If you are reading uh, or jumping into the article, scroll to the bottom of the page and you can sign up on the bottom left or head on to our website and scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll be able to subscribe. That is sonsofsaturday.com slash VT. And without further ado, I will hand it over to a legend from D-Block, Rock Carmichael. Breaking out of the mold, cutting corners 
everybody back with another one for y'all today we are joined by a virginia tech legend rock carmichael and for those of you who don't know rock a little bit about him he's a 2011 graduate of virginia tech where he played cornerback under coach frank beamer and defensive coordinator bud foster he's a retired nfl veteran who spent time playing for the houston texans the philadelphia eagles the arizona cardinals and also had a stint in the canadian football league where he played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Rock is also the founder of the 1% Showcase, which has helped display over 100-plus high school football players' talents from the DMV area. He also works as a recruiting concierge and consultant for a multitude of Blue Blood college football programs. That also includes Virginia Tech, very active in the Virginia Tech recruiting space. Rock, welcome to the Sons of Saturday, man. We're happy to have you on. Hey, man. I decided I decided to sit outside and get some, you know, some fresh air. You know, I've been on the phone in that recruiting space all day. So, you know, you hear some trucks and things riding past. Like I said, I'm in the country, man, country lifestyle. I learned that from being in Blacksburg, you know, slow down a little bit and, and, and take a second to relax. Um, but like you said, man, um, uh, I'm a I'm a hokey, you know, through and through, you know, but I, I do help, you know, a lot of um top college programs right now but you know the goal is to give Virginia Tech you know back to those days like you mentioned the Bud Foster and um Tory and Gray you know Frank Beamer glory days awesome well first let's start this off with uh saw some pictures of you getting to know the new staff uh you brought some kids up to Blacksburg I just want to hear a little bit about your time up there the events that you had going on and your relationship with this new staff yeah actually man we um that's probably, I would say, the third time um, I've got to hang out with the new staff and just kind of sit back and listen to, you know, what they want to bring to the program from the recruiting standpoint and, you know, listening with my professional and my Virginia Tech ears, you know, as well. You know, I'm listening to see if these guys can fit into the program. And I mean, honestly, man, right now, I think um, I love what I see. Um, I think it's you can't replace what we had, you know, but I will say that um, Coach Pride gives me that Bud Foster feel, um, you know, just when you get to sit and get to talk to him. He's a uh, he's a defensive-minded guy. Um, uh, Coach Cheetah, you know, he he's, you know, like I say, we're coming from legendary Tory and Grace, so we expected, you know, in the defensive back room to kind of, uh, I don't want to say pick up the slack from the Hokies, but you know, that's kind of how we take it in that room. You know, we put the team um, on our back, offense and defense. And I think Coach Cheetah um, has a great perception of what the Hokies are. You know, he's been doing, you know, his research and studying the guys over time, not just the big name guys, but the guys that really, you know, got to help the program. And um, I think key factors like, you know, JC and uh, Adivi and, um, and Goo, you know, those guys were key to keeping around Prelude. Um, and they they doing they're doing what they can, man, to bring that feeling back. I mean, but you know, being honest, it's like shoot, right now we just gotta see some football. You know, we gotta we gotta see a couple games and you know, then we'll really get to see, you know, what's going on. But from the the recruiting standpoint, uh putting the stamp back on Virginia, I think they're doing a great job. So when you say you're listening with your professional ears and your Virginia Tech ears, what are some of the things that are most important to you? Because you've been to different colleges. You're constantly traveling around the country, going to different schools. 
And uh, I was talking with a friend the other day about just, you know, you know, when things are real, you know, when things are fake. And as a student, as a, as a prospect, you don't really notice that. But once you've been through college ball and you've experienced college ball from your lens, you're able to see fake and not see fake. So what are some of the things you were looking for and how did they uh, weather and fare from, uh, from you sitting around and checking it out? Yeah, hundred percent, man. Well, of course, um, times have definitely changed, right? Since we were kind of coming through school and even you guys, right. Coming through, we say 2018, you, you were a Hokie 2018. So, you know, things have changed a lot, you know, from then, you know, according to the social medias and the NIL deals and kind of how you, you know, treat these college athletes almost to the, to the point of treating them like professional guys. Now you have to, you know, some of these kids, you know, almost can make just as much or more money than the coaches. Right. And like I say, that brings you to um, the NFL experience and um, just trying to keep the families and the kids, you know, aware and safe as possible um, and making sure, you know, everyone makes the decision, you know, that's best for them. Virginia Tech is home, you know, but I don't think that it's the best situation, you know, for everybody. Um, and then, like I said, that's kind of like, you know, my professional ears. Then, you know, my hokey ears, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear the head coach, you know, speak highly on on defense. You know, I'm glad to see, you know, the head coach um, has, you know, spent a lot of time under pride and can speak on uh some of the the things in the town, you know, that that if you weren't in Blacksburg, you wouldn't be aware of. Um, I think those are major, major things. And um, like I said, I think the guys are doing a great job trying to bring that back. So with that being said, Rock, let's talk about your career a little bit at Virginia Tech. You you really did have an illustrious time in Blacksburg. You were initially recruited out of Gwynn Park High School in Brandywine, Maryland, which is right across the street from Alexandria. It's pretty close by. Uh, your right. career spanned from 2007 to 2010. You were a three-time ACC champion, which I was actually thinking about. It's like you could probably count on two hands the number of players who can say that. Uh, you recorded 75 solo tackles. You had 10 interceptions, two of which were pick sixes. You know, when you were recruited to play football at VT, who was your primary recruiter? I'm always curious about that. And what ended up being the reason you chose to call Blacksburg home? Actually, man, that is a great, uh, a great question. Uh, my story is a lot different um, from the guys that I work with and help now. Um, I didn't, I wasn't a big time recruit at all coming out of Gwen Park. Um, we had a guy uh, named Phil Taylor. He ended up going first round to the Cleveland Browns um, that I played high school football with. And he was a five-star athlete. He had, you know, scholarship offers from everyone in the country. Um, I really, I had zero looks, right? Zero looks, zero offers. I was getting zero attention up until my senior year, you know, but I still, I went out, I camped, I did everything that you see the kids do now. It was around back in the day, you know, but I just wasn't one of the guys that was getting the attention. And um, I actually, um, probably about two weeks before my senior year, I went and did a camp with Coach Beamer, you know, like that last camp that these guys just had right before their season starts I went and did that like the last one day camp um for the seniors and I ended up running a great time and you know had a good day you know throughout that day and that story it gets deeper but coach Beamer ended up offering me at the camp 
right there on site. And I end up signing and committing like literally that same day. You know, he wanted me to go home and talk to my family, things like that. But um, I was, uh, you know, that was my only shot. Right. So I took it. And, you know, from there, like you say, we made history. Um, won some games, you know, fourth round draft pick, you know, played some NFL ball. So, you know, I kind of hold my pride on, you know, not being the first four-star recruit and worked hard and done. And, you know, I'm I'm still kind of doing that same thing now. It's just the kids that I'm I'm doing, we're doing it with are end up being, you know, four-star, five-star guys. So you became an integral piece of some of the best Bud Foster defense has ever fielded. During your early days at Virginia Tech, like right when you got to campus as a freshman and a sophomore, who were some of the guys in the locker room who you really looked up to and helped make you better as a player? Well, immediately the first person I could think of was uh, Aaron Rouse. Um, he was, you know, <laughs> he walked in there, you see a 6'4 safety, um, you know, 220, 225, you know, moving. You know, the first camp chancellor is what I tell everybody how Rouse, how we looked at Rouse and uh, DJ Parker. You know, DJ Parker was the leader. Um, we used to call him the general, man, um, the general in that DB room. You know, he kept everybody in order. And, you know, it was T. Gray first time, too. My first year, my first week on campus was Torian Gray's first week. So a lot of those guys had got recruited by whammy. You know, I, I met whammy, you know, we talked, you know, at the camp that day I got the offer, but by the time I got to campus, he took a job with the Oakland Raiders. Um, so I, I didn't play for whammy. Um, T. So I was like T Gray's first, you know, DB that went through a whole, you know, term with him. And, um, of course, you know, you look up to Brandon flowers, you know, you look up to macho hairs, um, you know, man, the list goes on, man. Uh, Xavier Devi, you know, Vince Hall, uh, Chris Ellis. Like, we had a lot of guys that was intricate pieces and, you know, from intricate areas that I think we need to, you know, focus on getting back to. And we're doing a, a good job. I don't think it's the, it's the you know, it's as best as we could do right now. But, you know, go Hokies. <laughs> One of the most intense and unique coaches that I had the pleasure of meeting at my time at Tech was Coach Gray. Um, for those of you that don't know him, go ahead and, and Google that man. The guy's a goat, uh, made had played a huge part in making DBU what DBU is. Um, but can you just speak a little bit to Coach Gray's coaching style and how he impacted you both as a person and a player? Yeah, no, T Gray, man. T Gray was I tell all the kids like this, man, T Gray, and you guys will see me going down to South Carolina, um, taking visits with Shane and them guys, um, introducing the kids to that staff down there. Cause I truly, you know, respect and believe in, uh, coach Gray's teaching. Um, like I said, he was the original, um, technician when it comes to defensive back work. Like you hear a lot of guys talking about, you know, technique and making plays today, you know, but like I say, in the early two thousands, um, you know, it wasn't looked at like that. DB was more, DB was more looked at as a position that, you know, you just was an athlete and you can run and stop, you know, but it wasn't much uh, knowledge put into it until Tory and Gray came, man. And then, you know, he left from tech and went down to the University of Florida and sending DBs out first round every year there, you know, went to the NFL, had the best secondary in the NFL with the Redskins and DJ Swagger and Josh Norman and those guys and, 
you know, then leave and go to South Carolina and do the same thing, you know, with the defensive back group. So I just know, uh, like I said, I was his first student, you know, kind of like his first pupil that went through the whole circuit with him. And, um, you know, his teaching is, is, is like slim to none, man. So after four years in Blacksburg, you were drafted by the Houston Texans, fourth round of the 2000, 2011 NFL draft. You were the 127th overall pick. After two years in Houston, you were traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. And throughout your NFL career, you also recorded 25 tackles. Um, you know, being the three-star out of uh, out of uh, Wim Park, you know, you were an underdog your entire career. What did it mean after you graduate to be drafted uh, to the NFL in the spring of 2011? Well, honestly, for me, man, it was different. Like you said, I wasn't a – I wasn't a big time recruit, so I didn't really, you know, I didn't, it was just like another day. It was like going to work again. You know, I felt like, you know, I had to fight my way to the combine, to the senior bowl, to all of these places that, you know, growing up, you wanted to compete at, but you couldn't. And then once I got a chance to kind of get there, it was like, you know, I made it and I figured it out. And now I wanted to figure out what was next. You know, like if you look at any of my interviews when I was at the senior bowl or doing things like that, it seemed like I wasn't too interested. You know, I was one of the only cats wearing my own clothes. You know, I always made gear. I always did my own thing. So for me, going to the NFL was about building connections and using them as pieces like I'm doing now more so than it was about playing football. Like, honestly, I didn't, uh, you know, because I had a conversation with Bud um we all did you know coming out and um I don't want to name no other cats but you know he told me that the NFL really wasn't for me you know like it's is you know like and he gave me the example of that's why he never left Blacksburg you know and I kind of you know and I listened to him you know and I'd say that's why T Gray let, went to the NFL and came back it's not like you know a lot of you can't be there but it's business it's not it's not a it's not you know, friendship and brotherhood is business. So I really wasn't into the NFL style of ball. You know, I wanted to use it, though, to figure out how I can create my own lane within football, and that's what I'm doing now. And how would you say that those experiences in the NFL helped mold you into the person and the coach that you are today? Um, It lets you know, man, just it's simple that it's never, it's never over. The fight is never over. You know, it don't matter. You could be a five star and do this and do whatever. But, you know, once you get into whatever room you're going to, you got to compete. And um, like I said, I've always known that because that's how I came up. It's just, you know, at, at some time I just got tired of fighting. You know, it was like I'm tired of uh, having to be the last, you know, to fight and be the last pick, you know. So I, I, I tapped out. But, you know, like I tell guys, I'm like, as long as you're ready, willing to fight, you can keep playing forever because that's all it is. Yeah, Rock. So when did you know that you wanted to get involved with working alongside kids and how do you approach guiding them along the recruitment process? Um, like I said, man, with me, it's honestly um, been a lifelong um, journey uh, with seeing and learning how to work and deal with people. Um, I really have a background. My mom ran a, um, a head start, like a daycare out of our house growing up. So like, I was always the big brother on the block, like, you know, putting the kids on the bus, taking everybody off the bus, making sure, and, you know, we got to school, there's 20 of us and they don't have a lunch, you know, our lunch money or something. I got to take care of it, you know, so that 
that was my lifestyle. You know, my pops was, you know, the the community guy that picked everybody up and took them to track practice. And when your grades was good, he brought the pizza and, you know, all that stuff like that. So, you know, that's what I saw growing up, you know, and like, you know, when I got the tech, I created a nonprofit organization called Bless All People, which, you know, kind of just copied everything I learned and saw my family do. You know, we would go to the local um, head starts and daycares. And, you know, like I said, while I was there, we had it set up um, that they did field trips like twice a year where they would come in and meet the staff and walk the locker room and get to go on the field and things. And that was huge because, you know, them people's, you know, the people in Christianburg or, you know, some of those smaller towns around Blacksburg that may live there and get to see us all the time, never really get to meet, you know, the people that they get all these free posters from and all the cool things. Right. So that was something that I created. And um, just everything, you know, up to then has led me to now, you know, um, being able to create opportunities to give the people um, using my platform. Right. So I have different connections, different schools. And, um, you know, I do my best job to try to be fair. You know, like I said, I am a Hokie and that is, you know, where I would love for everybody to go. But at the same time, I know that's not the best spot, you know, kind of for all the kids. So being able to play the game fair and, um, you know, help the the guys make the best decision. Um, that's something that I've always done. And, um, you know, I love to keep creating. Like I said, I hope all the Hokies respect it, man. You know, like I said, if everybody could come to Tech, I would press it to to do it that way. But it's um, it's about helping, the, helping these communities, man. What are some of the lessons that you learned along the way in your journey of life that you wish someone had to tell you, but you make sure that you tell the kids, whether it be about recruiting, whether it be about life, whether it be about football? Uh, what are a couple of those lessons you try to instill in the kids you work with? A couple of things, man. I, I have you get kind of like two different groups of guys. You get the group of guys that's freaking five stars that, you know, have all the offers in the world and you have, you know, the communication and speeches you have to give them. Then you have the guys like um, like myself or even, you know, I want to say lower, but even lower recruited, right? An example would be a cat named Delonte Hood. Um, he literally just came from Peru State. Like nobody's ever, never even heard of Peru State. Um, one of the guys we work with and mentor, he's now um, just went undrafted to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but you look him up at his camp, he having the best camp. He catching interceptions every day. You know, he's a 4-2 kid. And I'm telling him, like, bro, like, you're going to have a chance to do something great. And your story is going to be great. You know, kids coming from literally being homeless, you know, in high school and earning his own scholarship at Peru State and taking that to the to the league right now. You know, then, like I said, you have your, you know, Antonio Cotman and Asad Browns and, you know, the Dante LeVettes that are superstar recruits and could have, you know, made decisions to go anywhere. And it's kind of like I let both of those groups know that you got to look out for each other. Right. Not in the not in the brotherhood way, but in the competition way. Like so the four star, five star, like what you going to do when you run into that camp chancellor who was supposed to play quarterback when he got here. But now they move in the defense and now he's just a freaking monster. Right. Or the Delonte Hood, the kid that was homeless that nobody knows. And he's been walking and jogging to school every day. So the shape and the mental stability of him is on another level and then we got you that's a four-star five-star that might be 
taking some days off, right? So what are you guys going to do, you know, when shit hit the wall and you meet each other because it's going to come and that's what you're working for. You know, God is going to give you exactly what you're working for. You're working to challenge yourself to meet the best and play against the best, you know? So when you meet the best, you got to be prepared. And that's kind of the, the speech that I let everybody make sure they understand because it's nothing I can do. It's nothing your mom can do. It's nothing your coach can do for you out there on that field. You know, it's you, it's you and him. And, you know, whoever worked the hardest, you know, is, is going to come to light. So that's the one thing I, I kind of let both sides know to be prepared for what you're going to do, you know, when shit hit the wall. So what are your thoughts on the evolution of college football with the conference realignment, the NIL space, the overall experience of student athletes recruitment? these days because I, I know it's just so different than it was when you came up and when you were being recruited you know how do you keep up with a game that is constantly changing um that's why you always hear me say um I'm not a civilian on Twitter or you know Instagram I, I lead that to the civilians because you know and I learned that from Bud you know what listening to him and, and you know sitting through tons of his speeches and that's not to discredit anyone, but just to say that, you know, when you're in the battle, you know, when you're you're a guy that's going to war, you know, you don't you don't really have time to look at those kind of statistics because to me, it's all the same. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'll say it. I don't know if anybody else said it, but I'm like, people always been getting money in college football, you know. It was always cats with new cars and new clothes and new, you know, I'm like, that shit ain't, it's not nothing new. They just put a name on it and they called it NIL, right? But I'm like, in Virginia Tech, we've been played Alabama and did. So I'm like, it, to me, it's only 10 games in the season. I don't care how you line them up, whoever you play, you're going to play, you know, and you always going to play some SEC guys. You're always going to play a couple out of conference schedules, you know, and I, I think that just is what it is, you know, but I do think, you know, on the, uh, the the I call it, you know, the Internet side of things, social media, TV and the marketing side is great. You know, the kids get to make money. I, I know people might be hating, but shit, I wish we could have had an opportunity to make money. I freaking had to create a whole nonprofit and go to Head Starts and, and do whole field trips when the shit was illegal and called it Bless All People when I could have called it freaking Rock Carmichael. But I knew that back then, you know, but it was illegal, you know, so it's like, I found a way around it, you know, and that's what, you know, like I say, if you really about what you're about, you're going to do what you got to do, man, so I, I love it, um, but, um, you know, I really think it's all the same, bro. Patrick Lawrence wrote in and said, since you wore number 21, it has become a number held by studs. You got Khalil Herbert, Reggie Floyd, CJ Revis, and now Keli Lawson. Is there something to that? What would you tell Lawson and future number 21 guys about the significance and responsibility of wearing number 21? And Grayson added here, he said, yo, Rock Carmichael was the OG stud that wore number 21. So uh, just curious if you have any thoughts on that. That's super cool that, that you know, the guys look at it like that. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't look at it like that, you know, because like you said, I did my research and know the guys that came before me. Um, and, you know, I honor the guy that I got it, that I got the number 21 from, you know, Ryan, um, Hash, man, Hash was a walk on, uh, DB who ended up earning himself a scholarship, you know, a white boy out there playing DB with 
the Brandon Flowers camp chancellors and, and the guys. And a lot of us was younger than Hash, but Hash was, you know, a hell of a leader. And, you know, like I say, man, I, you know, them the guys that I honor and I respect. And I thank all the young guys, man, you know, but what I would say, you know, to some of the younger cats, I ran into, um, what's the commit from South Carolina, the athlete we got this year, three-star. But he, yeah. um, so I met him this weekend at the at the visit um and he had the chain he had a chain on had number 21 and you know and i so i asked him i said you gonna wear 21 when you come to tech and he was like yeah that's what i want you know that's my that's my dream and i told him i said well the standard that i set with the number 21 on i said the first year you start on the field you gotta have seven picks in that number 21 and then i told him in number 20 with jaron hosley your first year is 10 you need at least 10 or you gotta you gotta take that number off. You change it, you know. Then I had to tell them about Jimmy Williams and number two. You know, like they don't know, you know. So I let them know where this stuff come from, or they don't even know why in the hell Cam Chancellor wore number seventeen. You know, I'm like bro, Cam was a quarterback. That's why he wore number seventeen. He came in here as a quarterback. Like he had the little shorter pads on, the little ass quarterback face mask, and from there. You know, you get Kyle Fuller and a couple more cats that put that number on after them. But I'm like, you need to know why, you know, and what happened and, you know, what's going on and do what you do. But, you know, man, I I, I definitely thank all the guys that respect me as that 21 um, number out of Virginia Tech. You know, at least I get some kind of legendary status. That's cool. So last two segments here, we're going to roll into rapid fire. Um, first question I have for you is, who was your favorite teammate from your playing days? Jason Worlds. What was the Legend. song in the locker room? Who, what was the song that was always bland? Any songs that you remember that kind of captured your time at Tech? All I could think about is the D-Block song, man. That's all I hear in my head. And I learned it. It was like, when we got there, it was... DJ Parker and Rouse, you know, they made us sit and listen to the song and understand it. And, you know, we had to learn it. And, you know, even now, like they lost, they lost that, you know, like that was me that brought that back, you know, to Virginia Tech. You know, I had to start talking it on the, the social medias and going to the school and letting them know that this is what this is what it is. You know, when I got here, it, we had D block on the wall and it wasn't for nothing, you know, uh, intimidation or none of that it's simple and discipline determination and dedication that's going to get you to where you want you know and um you know and it's a song and a whole <clears throat> chant that go with that and they lost it man like even, like when you see the dbs get in a circle that's what jimmy williams was doing in the circle that's what d hall that's what we did the leader you do in the circle it's a war it's like a military chant you know but like i said they lost it i trying to help them bring it back you know um, I talked to I did talk to Cheetah this weekend. He wanted me to come in and let them guys know some of the history so we can we can try to get that feel back. But um yeah, man. D block the D block song. That's it. I've heard I've heard that a little bit recently, so it's good that that's back. This is the D block, mighty mighty D block. Uh it's in some of the video. Is that the song you're talking about? Yeah, that's why I put it up on all the videos. Yep, yeah, the hokies. And like I said, they literally when you come in and you do your initiation, when you know, you got my picture when I had the bald head, me and Cam and them boys, we, we had to get the bald heads and all that. You got to sing a song that night and all that. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't considered hazing and all back then. It was fun. It was, it was, 
you wanted to do it. You wanted to be a part of the brotherhood, you know? So I'm like, when I had to cut my hair bald, I think I did mine before they could even get the chance to tell me. I was excited. Like I did it the <laughs> night before. <laughs> Showed up the next day with bald hair. Like I'm a part of this, you know? Like I want to be here, you know? So it's, uh, you know, man, like I said, not, you know, keeping that part out of it, you know, I understand it's different times, but you got to bring that chemistry and that brotherhood back, man. That's what tech, you know, like I said, that, that's what it was really, really built on. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't four-star, it wasn't five-star guys. You know, it was the Rock Carmichael's, the Cam Chancellor's, you know, the Davon Morgan's, the guys that might not have had the total package. But if you put us in a in a dog fight, we're going to come out, you know, so them the, them the guys that we want in Blacksburg, the, the Xavier Adibis, you know, I'm like, he was the the tone setter, like he was the little, he was the law, like the DB was the law when we got there. Like you didn't even walk past a DB locker unless you had a stale face on and you looked like you ready to tackle somebody because he might <laughs> he might tackle you and throw you down right there in the locker room just for something you did earlier, you know, not <laughs> knowing your assignment or not knowing your play. So I just I had I got a lot of great stories about that locker room, man. We played with. Hell of, hell of, hell of a team, man. The Eddie Royals, you know, hell of a leader. Josh Morgan, you know, Justin Harper, Hyman, Brandon Orr, you know, like all them names is like legends, but like them the dudes that I learned from, you know, I had to sit and learn from. So when you see me moving and doing what I'm doing, you know, I learned it from them dudes. Man. Houston or Philadelphia, if you had to choose? Philly. Why Philly? Houston was too hot. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like uh, I realized that when I got there, I was like, I'm I'm used to being in Virginia playing in Blacksburg. Like when it didn't get cold, you know, and it's like December and you still wearing shorts and sweat at practice, it was like, nah, I, I want to wear my long sleeves and play in the cold games and all that stuff. I it was too hot, man. Losing too much weight all year. Favorite movie. I'll say favorite movie from my tech times would be 300. I'll say 300, man. Okay. I, I can't say like all the time. Oh, yeah, it's all right. Don't, don't get Bill started with that one. He's got the 300 poster on his wall. I got wall. the poster right in my living room. <laughs> in, in his apartment. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh. Favorite Virginia Tech game you ever played in? My favorite game I ever played in? Um, Probably my my first my first like real bit of action we lost. Um, but when we went and played against LSU, um, down in LSU that year, that was that was crazy. Macho and Flowers was out there. You know they end up winning the national championship. LSU was like number two in the country. I can't remember the receivers they had. It was like Brandon LaFell. Um, I remember Trenton Holiday was on that team. Super fucking fast. Um, it was a couple more cats though. They had like some top round receivers drafted that year, but Macho had got injured maybe like the second series, and I wasn't even the next guy up. Virgil was the next guy up. Um, but for some reason, uh, Bud, you know, he looked down the line and he was like, "Rock, you ready?" And I was like, "Shit!" Like I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to play at all. Like I was literally. Man, like, I was like, dog, I came here to watch this game. Like, I, I literally, like, I didn't think I was going to see the field. You know, special teams and stuff. Like, yeah. like, so I'm chilling. 
Like I'm really chilling at the, you know, I'm sitting, I'm watching. My helmet was like under the bleachers, some under the bench somewhere. Like I wasn't even thinking that. And he's like, Rock, you ready? I was like, oh shit, I had to go find the helmet. And I just remember the first play I backpedaled like 40 yards. Like just I was just like, please just don't let him throw the ball. Like, just don't let him throw the ball. If I get beat or a touchdown on my first play, I never play again. That's all I could think. And they did, and it was a run play, but I still backpedaled like 40 yards. <laughs> but Bud was cool with it. We lost, we lost, but I, I didn't give up any major plays, you know, and that was like, you know, after that, I, I calmed down and was ready to play. But that was it for me, man. That was a that was a hell of an experience. Would you, you say you can play against that LSU team? You can step in, you can play against anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would, would you say that's your favorite yeah. Bud Foster moment? Was it from that LSU game? No, no. Me and Bud had a lot of moments, man. A lot of moments. Um, my favorite Bud moment would probably be that following year after I become a starter. I got a couple of them I can go through. I become a starter. You remember when we play? I, we might have lost this freaking game too. It's always when we lose. We play. We play ECU in the Panthers. Stadium. Oh my God! Macho was hurt. Yep. Me and uh, your first time starting at the corners. Um, and I don't know, it might have been a close game. I don't know, but I feel like we lost. And I was excited because I had got out of the game and I got my grade sheet and I had like, I graded out high. Like I didn't really make any mistakes. So I remember sitting and I always wanted to, you know, be close to Bud. I'm, you know, I'm thinking I'm like next in line after DV and Macho and them dudes. I'm like, when they leave, I'm going to be the leader, you know. So me and Cam used to like battle over that, like who was going to be the next in charge. Like that was, that was our two thing. Um, but I remember sitting behind him after that game and he looked at me asking, how did I do? And I said, I think I said, I did well, you know, I didn't really make any mistakes. And he looked at me like with a disgust on his face. And he was like, uh, you know, he was like, you know, it's not about you, you know, it's about the team. Like, you know, hit me with one of them speeches and that, that changed my perspective right there like on everything you know it i i threw like all the little kid shit you know all the immature things out the window and you know that's like with the i was the first time i really brought in about the team like up until that moment it was about me playing and me getting on the field and me 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 you know but that moment right there changed a lot and um the next one i would say i learned from bud would be the saying he's always tell us man people don't know that they don't know you know, he's like civilians and fans. They don't know what we the work we put in. They don't know what we study. They don't know what's going on. So don't even give them the time and energy. You know, people don't know that they don't know. So like I, I live by that one still to today. Last rapid fire question before we get into the letters from the lunch pail as we wrap this up. I have to know this because I'll never, ever forget it. After your block in the back against Clemson in 07 down in Death Valley, I don't know if you remember this or not. When yeah. Eddie Royal had housed that punt, it was going to be his second of the day. Now, we won that football game, so it was all good. I'll never ever forget they showed Coach yeah. Beamer on TV. He was flaring mad, like so mad. And you were a freshman at the time, but you had the block yeah. in the back, and it got called back. What did he say to you on the sideline? I don't even know if you could say it on here. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. He definitely, man. I remember that. And it's crazy you bring that up. I talk about that game all the time, but I must have blocked that play out. I don't I, I didn't remember that until you said it. Like I remember the first one, but the second one, you're right. I, I got that penalty. Um 
he actually, man, he didn't he didn't say much. You know, he was he was, you know, more upset for the team and the situation, you know. But like me being young, like they knew they know I was super aggressive because like I would get a lot of flags and practice. And like that was my my name is Rock, man. So it's like I I do a lot of nut bonehead shit, you know, like I'm a I'm a might hit you late out of bounds, you know, especially me being young. It was like that. Come on, man. <laughs> like, come on, coach, you know, you know. But, um, yeah, man, I remember him saying, like, you know, he always hit you with the palsy. He's like, come on, palsy. You can't, you can't, you're not. One day when it's you, you're going to see. And I was like, you know, Eddie, and Eddie just, he just, he gave me a hug, man, and told me, let's do it again. You know, he left it like that, you know, and I'm, I thank God that that day turned out how it did. You know, Macho had that kick return to the crib, the interception to the crib. I think DJ Parker might have had an interception to the crib. Yep. We put out a couple of their receivers. So, you know, the team made up for it for me. Um, and I thank them. But I know what I was thinking that play. I was just trying to get on TV, man. I'm like, this freaking Eddie Royal, you know, he bought the score again. I was like, I just want to help. Like, I want to be on ESPN. <laughs> pushing this dude this out of bounds. Like, let's play. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was not called for. Oh my gosh! That's I'm so awesome. glad to hear that uh, the growls have been around since uh, before I got there because that was always our our favorite thing was anytime anything goes wrong it's ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know how it is <laughs> like he's not gonna say too much he's just gonna get your little palsy come on <laughs> like, you, you know what that means you're right <laughs> no uh, <laughs> you know, that's how he do man love that guy man and it was crazy Shane. I love going to South Carolina too. You know, like I said, we Hokies, but just being honest, man, Shane has that 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 same feel Beans used to have. You know, as soon mm-hmm. as you get down to uh, uh, Columbia with those guys, it's like, oh shit! Like you could tell this is a, like we wasn't around Beamer in his younger days, but it's like you looking like like somebody Beamer went through a time machine. That's how I feel like. Like he's smiling, he bouncing around, he joking with all the staff, joking with the kids and. You know, like you seen him go viral the other day when he did like whatever he did, like the little rap TikTok yeah. thing, you know, in the in the you know, but it's like that's what Frank would do, man. That's 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 the kind of stuff Frank used to do too, man. Like he, you know, was always dancing and you know, like if people say, Oh man, you know, that I thought that was a newer thing. I'm like, nah, hell no, nah, Beamer, man. He gonna you we when you make the thing, he gonna dance, he gonna cut up and you know, have a good time and you know, but like I said, I think Shane doing a hell of a job uh, bringing that field down there to South Carolina, man, for sure. Hey, I'll never, ever forget Frank did the Harlem Shake video. So there you go. He was on the trends before Shane was. <laughs> Keeping it real. I love it. Exactly. That's where he got it from. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, you remember. Yeah, man. Uh, we're we're going to wrap this up with letters from the lunch pail. These are, uh, these are listener-submitted questions, Rock. One we got today is from Hokie Joe. He asked, how do the kids you train and mentor see the VT brand? Um, they're loving it actually right now, man. Um, they're buying in. Um, everyone is excited about the up and coming season. I think it's a real big season for us. We all know that, but I don't think it's like uh, we got to win all the games, this and that. It's like everybody just wants to see. Right at this point, they just want to see good football. You know, the coaches are reaching out, they're communicating, all the facilities, you know, can compete with all the rest of the facilities. And, you know, for the home, you know, DC, Maryland, Virginia guys, you know, like right now, tech is, 
you know, on top of the UNCs and the Clemsons and all those other spaces. Like, I think we can kind of see that with this last recruiting class. Like, a few of those kids, you know, could have made some some different decisions, you know. But I think just getting getting that group of kids that they got this year is going to set, you know, kind of the tone for the, the next couple of years because it's still Highland Springs, you know, it's still all the, the same, you know, schools that we used to be good at, you know, getting kids out of, but we lost it. But now they're doing the job getting it back. Now. Rock, appreciate your time. I appreciate everything that you do for the youth um, and for our football program. So just want to let you know, it's, it doesn't go unnoticed and, uh, excited to get you involved in some more Sons of Saturday events. Appreciate you popping out to Fall Jam, and uh, best of luck the rest of this, uh, this summer and into the fall. Thank you, guys, man. Like you said, whatever you need from me, man, just let me know. You know, shout out to the Lunch Pail, uh, Bud Foster, man, all the all the Hokies, Beamer, um, everybody, man. If I missed your name throughout this time, I'm sorry. I apologize, but shout out to everybody, man. Look at Rock, Bill. He already knows. Sharky shout-outs. Boom. He's on it. You <laughs> don't even have to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Appreciate you, Rock. Thank you. Yeah, man. Go Hokies. Hey, no problem. Uh, anytime. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, oh, I know just what you're thinking. You and